This episode of Life O Life is sponsored by Dots for Spots, an essential in my beauty regime. If you're like me and still get spots, then these little patches are a total miracle worker. Dots for Spots use revolutionary hydrocolloid technology to conceal, heal and protect spots. Visit dotsforspots.com. Hi, I'm Becky Barnes, journalist and host of Life O Life. This podcast is all about life advice. I believe that everyone has some gems of knowledge to share. And I think by sharing our wisdom, we can understand each other better and make the world a more hopeful place. I've decided to make a podcast asking people I admire about the advice that shaped them and the advice that they would like to pass on. Alongside my newsletter, The Uplift, we'll also explore good news and self-care and things to help me and you live a happy and healthy life, oh life. My guest today is not only a practising NHS GP, but a TV doctor, broadcaster, podcaster, columnist and wellbeing campaigner. Welcome to the Life O Life podcast, Dr. Rada Modgill. How are you doing? Oh, hello, Becky. It's really nice to be here. I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time because I know you're very busy at the moment. I would say no more than anyone else. (laughs) I do like variety. It's one of my challenges in life that I need to learn when to say yes and when to say no. But I'm one of those people who every sort of couple of months needs to look at their balance because I get so interested and excited in terms of meeting new people and doing new things that I sometimes get a bit out of control. (laughs) (laughs) I totally know the feeling and especially when we haven't been able to kind of mix in public and meet new people for so long. I guess podcasts and things like this do give a good opportunity for that. Absolutely. And it's like you say, I don't think I've ever connected with so many new people actually over the last year, which has actually been one aspect of the sort of pandemic, which has actually been really lovely, is that I've, I've met and connected with a lot of really amazing people, incredible people, inspirational people, yourself included, Becky, during that and online on social media and, and kind of found a community of just people who are doing incredible stuff. So that would never have happened, actually, had it not been for the situation that's been going on over the last year. Yeah, you're so right. It's been quite a year, but there are so many silver linings that we can kind of start to realise, particularly now as things ease. So we connected, as you said, during the first lockdown, I think. Later on in 2020, I launched a good news newsletter, but you also, quite early on in the first lockdown, shared lots of self-care tips and things to help people get through. How was that for you? Before the pandemic, I was commuting a lot, obviously working in the different areas that I work in. And although I was obviously on social media and I was doing lots of broadcasting and TV and radio, I don't think I'd ever really used social media probably to its full sort of capacity in terms of putting more stuff out there and kind of connecting with people, either maybe because of time, but also maybe just because, I don't know, maybe there was also a part of me which thought, well, maybe people won't find this useful. And then I think actually when the pandemic sort of started, I began to realise, you know, that all of us, myself included, were just going through such a difficult time. And it actually really inspired me just to start putting stuff out there. And what I realised was when I started putting stuff out there is that people really did find it useful and it was helpful. And so I think all of those sort of silly fears and worries that I'd you know, had before in terms of putting myself out there too much, they were kind of blown away. And I just thought, you know what, it doesn't matter anymore about that. What matters is actually trying to get things out there that help people and in doing so 
that really helped me on those difficult days during last year and still sort of now often a lot of my posts are related to how I'm feeling or one of my friends is feeling and so when I put those out there and I can express those it really helps me and it really helped me carry on and feel hopeful during last year as well. That is fantastic. And just thank you for being like the self-care queen of Twitter. You helped me so much. And I think the more that people share the tips that help them get through, the more that people talk about what they're actually going through. It's not just using social media for mental health awareness. It's about this is what we're actually feeling. And these are the practical tools that we can use to just live a fulfilled life as possible what stands out and I think it's your pinned tweet is you came up with the five c's can you tell us a bit more about those yeah so very early on in the pandemic I was obviously doing a lot of radio interviews or tv interviews about sort of tips and advice and I had a notebook at the time which I should have kept actually because it was probably a historical document now in terms of how we were feeling but I was starting to write notes down you know preparing for those interviews and I just looked at a page and thought well a lot of these words begin with c and I was like okay what what can I what can I create that's that's something that's easy and tangible and and, and a very simple framework because I think you know last year when everything was so overwhelming and it still is I think simplicity is the key and things that are easy and things that are relatable are the key as well so I basically came up with my sort of five c's which is really a, a, a framework and a structure for sort of keeping well every day or, or trying to keep well every day so they were control trying to recognise what we can control and what we can't and trying to let go of that. The next one was about continuity, so the importance of routine uh, when our lives have been totally turned upside down. The next one was creativity, which was obviously all of those amazing hobbies, things that we had forgotten about in terms of actually being good for us. And the last one was compassion. So that's very much about being kind to yourself when you're having a tough day or a tough moment and kind to other people because, you know, that sense of community and, and how much we need each other really came out. So I tried to create a little thing where in your day, if you're having a tough moment, you could sit back and go, okay, which one of the five C's am I not doing or that I need to do? And it really kind of helped me. And that's kind of those five C's have kind of come back and echoed through the sort of last year and a half, which is great because it means that they've actually really helped people. Yeah, that is great. I wrote in my newsletter this morning, actually, about how the past year has been some of the worst mental health that I've experienced. But coming from a place of privilege where I didn't lose any loved ones, I didn't lose, well, I did lose my job. I had a job for all of the lockdowns. I've got a home. It meant that I could really use that time where we were forced to look inward and learn about myself. And I feel like I got to a place towards the end of the third lockdown where I really knew what the tools were to help me move forward. But I wonder now, as restrictions are lifting, have you noticed a lot of people feeling anxious or people maybe forgetting all that stuff that they've learned in the past year? Yeah, I think there are definitely sort of two elements to that. So I think one is is that we're all completely exhausted, I think, mentally and emotionally, because, you know, every time there's been a change or we've had to adapt or something as one minute we were doing this, next minute we were doing that. You know, that takes energy, that takes emotional energy and mental energy to keep changing all the time. So we are all very tired, I think. And although we've got the prospect of summer hopefully being a bit better, we are exhausted. So to 
to have to sort of deal with coming out of restrictions is obviously, you know, fingers crossed, a good thing, but it, it still is another change. So I think people are tired generally. So it's more difficult to manage plans and ideas about how we're going to manage this next step. I think also, like you say, the pandemic, unfortunately, is still going on. Things are looking better, you know, in the UK. But, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, unfortunately, it still is going on and we have to be really careful and cautious. And so although things are easing and restrictions are lifting, they're not going to necessarily go back to how things were. And so I think it's about sort of readjusting to what that means, but also working out for each of us individually, because we're all so different and we've all got different situations, what choices are we going to make and how to make good choices for ourselves in our unique position. And I think that also is a stressful thing to do. So it needs to be done gradually sort of over time with compassion, with kindness, with trying to understand where the fear is coming from and asking for support from people as well to help us guide us through that process. It's, we can't expect ourselves to, you know, just go from this situation to a kind of near normal, if you like, as hopefully it might be planned just like that. We need time to readjust mentally and emotionally to that. Yeah, I certainly felt, although I have found benefits to lockdown lifting such as like rediscovering the joy of living on my own and just being able to see a few more friends and family there's still an underlying feeling and like bewilderment and just it still highlights how many different pages people are on because there are still people who feel lonely there are still people who have to stay at home or people who are grieving what advice do you have for anyone who feels that sense of bewilderment and is seeing other people sort of going back to normal but mm. feels a bit bewildered? I think the first thing to say is that, you know, you're not on your own in that, although it can feel like that sometimes, can't it? Because, you know, mainstream platforms and, and most sort of media platforms and people in general are just highlighting, you know, the people who are really excited and the people who, you know, really want to get back out there and, and not necessarily being as representative or inclusive as perhaps we could be about all the different people and how they've been affected. I think it's also really important to talk to your friends about that. So I've got a friend who unfortunately lost her mum just before the pandemic started. And about a month or so ago, we were out for a walk and she said to me, you know, I I don't really feel anything because lots of people around me are excited about this, something other, but I don't feel excited because for me, my mum is still not here. And for mm. me, I haven't been out there in sort of normal, inverted commas, life, you know, since I lost her. For many of us who've been impacted by this pandemic, and pretty much for all of us in terms of our mental health, I think, we've all been changed by this. Yeah. Um, and so that legacy will remain. So I think to be kind to yourself, to talk to your friends about it, you know, to tell them how you're feeling and to hear that actually, you know, there are other people out there who feel the same way and that you don't have to there's nothing wrong with you if you don't feel excited. Mm. We are complex beings. We have lots yeah. of different emotions and we can feel anxious, but also excited. We can feel, you know, like we want to go and do stuff, but we all can also feel completely exhausted. So mm. we are a complicated mix of feelings and that's okay. It's just about giving yourself the time and the space and the support to actually work out what is right for you. And I think what is right for you is the kind of take home message. It needs to be specific and individual to you. I've actually also found myself getting really exhausted by seeing people and just remembering like how to make conversation. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I know, I know. And also <laughs> with the restrictions still in place and things being outside, like 
going back to remembering when to put your mask on and how to order and to give people space. Mm. Yeah, is that something you found, like people feeling tired by okay so they were excited that they were going to see their friends but then actually this is really tiring is that yeah, something definitely you're seeing absolutely yeah because we get used to things quite quickly you know we kind of adapt to things quite quickly and and we've got used to not seeing that many people we've got used to only seeing them outside or for a walk or on a screen and so when we're then you know asked to interact or we want to interact in a different way that takes a different type of energy and a different level of energy in order to do that so I think that's definitely something which is out there and I think the other thing to say is that for, for something that might have been really simple you know over a year ago like going for dinner with your friends that was probably just one decision your friends say do you want to go for dinner you go yeah right whereas now you know do you want to go for dinner yeah okay where should we go has it got an outdoor space do we have to book? I need to remember to bring my mask. I need to remember my alcohol gel. Mm. And, and so there are so many... Is it going many... to rain? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it going to rain? What, what do I have to wear? You know, who else is around me in my house? Mm. You know, who else do I need to think about and be considerate of? And so, you see, just from before, it was one simple decision. Now it ends up being 9, 10, 11 decisions. And mm. the more decisions we make, the more mental energy that takes. So, you know, tiredness can come from that too which I think is also important to recognize. I found it difficult as well with plans that you have to commit to something maybe pay a deposit and as someone who sees being able to say no and not always commit to things well in advance as part of self-care it makes social lives quite complicated. Do you have any tips for people feeling like that? Yeah I think it also makes it very difficult for well, for people particularly who perhaps live with anxiety, but more generally probably for all of us at the moment, because, you know, when you have anxiety or any kind of struggle with mental health, you, know, you don't know how you're going to feel on a particular day or in a particular moment. And so, like you say, that whole kind of having to book and pre-plan everything is not very helpful for when we don't know quite how we're going to feel. So I think it's important to book things initially if you're going to do something with people who you know really well, who are understanding of you, who know perhaps if you've got challenges or difficulties, who, who won't mind and won't make a fuss if you say, look, I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't come out tonight. I'm just having a bit of a tough day. So I think to arrange stuff with people who know you really, really well and who, you know, it wouldn't matter if you cancelled, for example, or you couldn't go at the last minute, they wouldn't mind. I think taking it slowly, so not kind of booking in, you know, six social events in one week <laughs> is probably a good idea as well. Um, to, to be extra careful in your diary of scheduling in nights in. I know we've had a lot of nights in, but time to relax and decompress and restore is really important. And to also recognise what you've learned about yourself over the last year. So, you know, where do you get your energy from? That'd be mm. different for all of us. But do you get it from seeing lots of people or do you get it from just seeing one or two people? Do you get it from being in nature? Do you get it from, you know, from singing? Like what what floats your boat? What brings you energy? And I think we've all had an opportunity or hope most of us, not everybody who's been working on the front line, but most of us have an opportunity to actually understand ourselves a bit better. Mm. And so to really schedule in those things as absolute essentials and not to compromise on those, I think will also help. 
Yeah, I totally agree on learning so much about ourselves and just stripping back everything else and having so little things that we could do meant that in my experience, I could notice the people who brought me energy, the activities that brought me energy, maybe the people who I didn't want to see as much anymore. It really has been quite a year of learning about ourselves. What have you learned about yourself? I've learned that I'm more resilient than I thought. Not always, but actually, I think for all of us to actually have just got through this period, I think everyone actually deserves a well done. I was on a walk with my friends probably back in March, and it was a time when daffodils were coming out, and I turned around to her and I said, I said, oh, well done. She said, oh, what are you, what are you saying that to me for? I haven't done the thing. And I was like, you've got through the winter yeah. in, in this pandemic. So I think a well done is good. So I've learned that about myself. I've learned definitely more about the importance of moment-to-moment choices So, you know, to understand how I'm feeling, what will help me in that moment. And that might be to have a cry. It might be to go back to bed. It might be to go out for a run or to listen to some really loud music. I've learned more about day-to-day tools that I find helpful for myself. And I think I've learned also about the importance of nurturing relationships in my life with people who are really there for you. So mm. cu- cutting, reducing the noise and cutting back and thinking, right, what, you know, what do I actually really want? Who actually is there for me? Who really brings me joy? Mm. And to start saying no to things that drain me. And I hope to take those lessons into the future about what perhaps uh, I'd like to develop in my life um, yeah. now. Because we've all, we've all kind of been asked to pause and to reevaluate and to now take forward the lessons that we've learned about ourselves into the future. Yeah, definitely. I feel very similar to you in a lot of things that you said. I think it's quite powerful us recognising our resilience and that really can cultivate self-compassion and treating ourselves like our best friend and cheering ourselves on when we need it. Not in a toxic positivity sense, but just really encouraging and nurturing ourselves because... In the past year, a lot of us, the only person who's really been there the whole time is ourselves. So to nurture that kind and encouraging voice is really quite a powerful thing. And I also felt myself just welling up a little bit when you said that story about telling your friend well done, because Mm. that's really powerful. And I think you've written about that in one of your columns for the eye, maybe. We don't say well done enough, basically. (laughs) We we don't say well done enough to other people, but also to ourselves. And I I think I recognise that a lot of people are working from home, a lot of people are not having the same connections. And Mm. I recognise also that you don't realise how much validation and encouragement you get, not just from the people that you normally see face-to-face, but also just from strangers, you know, Mm -hmm. just from someone holding open a door for you or saying thank you and all those things actually kind of bring you kind of joy as a person. And and actually, whenever I post anything about self-esteem or saying well done to yourself, there's a huge response on social media. And I think that is because people really just want to soak up love and kindness because I don't necessarily think there's a lot of that around, you know, on social media, but also more generally in life, we don't take the time to do that for each other or for ourselves. We always just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Mm. Um, And I think the other thing I wanted to add just to that word resilience is, is that that doesn't mean that we manage or that we have to be strong and we just carry on. Resilience to me, in terms of what I meant by that, was knowing when to ask for help and knowing when I couldn't manage 
and calling a friend. And that, that is resilience. I think sometimes the word resilience is has been put out there as being, I can do it all on my own. Mm. Whereas actually resilience, I believe, is about also about our capacity for asking someone for support when we need it. Mm. And what also sort of comes to mind there is getting through those... I knew you said negative emotions, but I don't want to say negative emotions because Mm. I don't think certain emotions should be labelled as negative, but maybe the less pleasant... The more challenging (laughs) emotions, yeah. The more challenging emotions, getting through them, not by pushing them away, but sitting with them, as you said earlier, having a cry. And it's such a sort of over-quoted phrase, but for me... Mm this too shall pass just really helps me all the time and Mm. sometimes it surprises me and I'm sitting with a difficult emotion and it does pass yeah (laughs) (laughs) actually does work yeah it's funny funny. yeah exactly it's funny you said that because that was another article that I wrote it was about challenging feelings I kind of use the analogy of um you know, like having a having a sort of house party or, or something. Not that we're allowed to do that at the moment, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, having a house party and um, the feelings being kind of different people and different characters and, you know, the, the people that you've invited and then the kind of unwanted guests that suddenly arrive. But actually, they're the ones, if you let them in, they're the ones who can teach you the most about yourself. And mm. I think that really goes to the challenging feelings is that often we learn the most about ourselves, even though it's not a pleasant experience. We learn the most about ourselves when we experience those. And going back to what you said about this too shall pass. So I I think I was going for another walk. Another walk. <laughs> I can't remember which, <laughs> what number walk it was. But I was going for a walk and walking down by this river and there was a, a railway arch and a bridge. It was a really dull day. It was probably like in October, really grey and miserable. And, and someone had graffitied Hope on the inside of this railway arch. I took a photo of it because I just thought Hope really is... Yeah, you know, I, I get a bit cross when people say to me, oh, Roddy, you're naive, you know, you're living in a fantasy world. And I'm like, no, I, I hope is a reality. It's mm. it's real, it's tangible, it's what you know, gets us out of bed in the morning, it's what makes us carry on, it's what finds solutions like these vaccines, fingers crossed, to this pandemic. Hope is everything. Absolutely. And so hope is realistic and hope has been the thing that has got me through the last year. I found that by looking at a bird or hearing a song or Mm. a friend sending a kind text message or a stranger waving at me. These are not kind of platitudes. They're real things that happened. And they really are the things that help me be hopeful in Mm. those moments. So I think we need to focus a lot more on where we can find hope and how we can cultivate hope. Definitely. And another thing that's come to mind about emotions is while we might sit through difficult emotions, another thing is when we experience those positive moments, such as hope, is just really savouring them. And having the time and space this past year has just really allowed me to try and hold on to those moments. So, for example, just being in nature without looking at my phone. Yes really enjoying something I've made for myself to eat. It's really powerful stuff, this savouring. 
Absolutely. So my favourite thing to eat, fish and chips. Oh, <laughs> I love fish and yes. chips so much. <laughs> you know, going to get a, like a takeaway fish and chips during this pandemic was, you know, that was a treat for me. That was a real thing that I kind of saved up every now and again. And I went and got them and I sat there and I took them to the local park or even kind of ate them in my car, just as a, like, a change of environment. <laughs> and, you know, I, and I, I absolutely loved them. And it is those simple things, those simple actions and simple things that you do that just give you the subconscious message that you are looking after yourself, that there are good things, there are positives. Your hope is often found in the in the very small and the very simple. You can find hope actually more easily, I think, sometimes in the small and the simple. If you really look for it and notice it, like you said, Becky, if you really, it's the same as love and kindness. When you are aware of, of how it looks and you notice it, you then absorb it. And it's you know, we can easily kind of say, oh, that person waved at me, fine, whatever, you know. Or that person said thank you. But really taking it in actually mm. does restore our, our sort of energy levels and our, our emotional well-being as well. Mm. Something that I'm really proud of myself for is bar a few days this year, I have completed a small gratitude practice every evening I've got a small little notepad it's from paper chase and it's just got a few lines and every day you write things that make me smile but it doesn't have the date so if you miss a few days it's fine which I really really like it takes the pressure off I know because I'm terrible at routine sometimes (laughs) yeah but I just can look back on those small moments whether it's I had a really nice conversation with a neighbour or that moment my nephew laughed and just writing them down is just really powerful. And then in maybe those times where the more challenging emotions come or even a more desperate moment, there's something to look at. And it is those simple things that just remind, well, in in my experience, that life's worth living (laughs) and also just to lift my mood so it can be quite powerful definitely well congratulations on doing that because that's that's brilliant that's a really great practice and (laughs) and actually I think that also comes down to you know how we comfort ourselves you know in a in a time when everything's been really scary and there's been so much fear and anxiety you know we've had to also remember or learn how we comfort ourselves and whether or not that's with a you know, a nice cosy blanket or a hot chocolate or, you know, a chocolate digestive or, you know, your dog or cat or making sure that you get out of your walk every single day. Mm. How do you comfort yourself? How do you help yourself to feel safe? Because really a lot, majority of us, all we want to do is to feel safe and to feel loved and to feel heard. And so I think the tools of comfort and how we find that every day are also really important to help us feel emotionally safe yeah definitely so this is a podcast about life advice and I've got three questions that I ask all of my guests the first one is what's the best life advice you've ever received oh that's a great question (laughs) (laughs) um I would say the best advice I've been given is about action 
So there was a time in my life when I I was all about belief. So I was always like, oh, you just need to believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. But actually, someone then said to me, you know what? It's fine to believe in yourself. But actually, action is much more efficient. It's a much more powerful way of helping you gain confidence. First of all, I was like, oh, no, what a load of rubbish. You know, what are you talking about? But the more I thought about it, the more I sort of let it sink in, I realized that was true, that actually believing yourself is great, but actually just taking small steps and actually mm. doing that thing, starting that thing that you're not sure you can do, just really helps to reinforce the beliefs. But action is the first step. So even if it's a tiny thing, you know, often people say, I don't know how to do this, or I'm not sure if I can do that. I think action and actually taking the steps, just taking any step, even if it's a tiny one, just like writing a list of what you might want in life or writing a list of what you might need, actions really build confidence to start and carry on and they actually build that belief. Mm. So I would say, as a famous sports company slogan is, just do it, (laughs) (laughs) is is really helpful. And I think if you're not sure about something or you're worried about doing something, the way I approach that is to say, okay, well, I'm worried, I'm nervous, I'm not sure if I can do it, but let's flip that on its head. How would I feel if I didn't do it? And often the answer to that question is, well, that would just be so much worse than if I tried. So if the alternative is worse, then just get on and do it. The fear is there, but the fear of not doing it and regretting it is bigger for me than actually just trying and even if it doesn't go well. I think that could be really helpful for people right now as well, because I think a lot of people, as we emerge from lockdowns, might have realized in the past year that something like their job or their relationship or a situation that they're in isn't quite for them I think sometimes just people I know they might feel that but it can feel very overwhelming you mentioned writing as a way to take the first step is there any other things that people can do if they're feeling a bit overwhelmed they want to make a change but they feel a bit overwhelmed of where to start I would say don't try to do everything all at once because that would just make you feel even more overwhelmed (laughs) get clear about what you want to change and why and when you look at those different areas ask yourself which is the first sort of chess piece that I can move in the puzzle and which one can I move first or which one is the most important to move first so once you've identified those areas pick the one that you think will be either easiest to move first or perhaps the one that's causing you the most sort of stress or Mm -hmm. concern and focus on that. So talk to people around you, work out what is it you want to change about it, get really specific because again, when we're overwhelmed, we can get too general. What is it? And then reach out. So reach out to people around you, go online, do the investigations, do the research, get information. Information is your kind of bridge from your intention into action and then just start doing little things you're never going to get from zero to 100 in one go Mm. but for example if you just do tiny little things things that are in the same vein or the same mode as what you eventually want to do you'll get there and every little thing you do will build your confidence will build your belief and will eventually get you more towards where you want to get to but remember we've been through a lot over the last year so don't try to do everything all at once just Mm. try to do that one area first 
that's great advice. And I think people can really feel encouraged and fired up by making a change. But knowing myself and my past experiences, I feel sometimes I've started to make steps, but then something has happened that is out of my control but I feel like I've taken some steps back. And I just wondered, anyone who feels that they were going in a direction but something's got in their way, how would you encourage them? So I would say that there are periods of expansion and there are periods of consolidation and reflection. And sometimes, if you're like me, who I can, I can sometimes be a little bit impatient, <laughs> I'm like, right, let's expand, expand, expand all the time. And, you know, I've had to learn that actually the periods of consolidation and reflection are just as important, if not more, than the periods of action and change and expansion. You know, just like in nature, you know, you need autumn and winter because actually there's stuff going on under the ground. You can't see it happening. You only see it in spring and summer. Just like that in life, there are times when things are processing internally before you see the results. So I say, don't be put off. Recognise that there may be a reason for this being stalled. Maybe this is a period of consolidation and reflection. Maybe the path you were going down isn't the right one for you. That doesn't mean you give up on it. It just means you pause, you reflect. Maybe you adapt, you divert, you do something different. But it doesn't mean you have to give up on it. Mm -hmm. I've got a friend at the moment who really wants to change sort of her area of work because mm. she's not really enjoying her job at the moment. And she was talking to me about this and, you know, I said to her, look, just because it's not happening now, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. What can you do in parallel with things at the moment? What can you work on in parallel that will give you the faith and the belief and the hope that this thing will come? And so to not really give up on that mm. quite often in life. We don't know why things happen, but I think remembering your why, remembering why you want to do this. Whenever I've had periods in my life where I've been quite disillusioned or I've been like, oh, you know, why hasn't that worked? Or I've gone through that period of being a bit disillusioned and disappointed mm. and upset. But then I always come back to, okay, well, why did you want to do this in the first place? And that why makes me carry on and actually it makes me more determined to carry on because I know what my why is. Yeah you talking about carrying on as well just made me think about so I do morning pages every morning I just write a stream of consciousness yeah. and I never look back at it because that's kind of the way you're meant to do it which I definitely don't follow the rules because I sometimes just write a page or whatever but one thing that comes through all the time is I just write keep going keep going keep going keep mm -hmm. going keep going and I think that's kind of a message from me just to have that hope and trust in whatever I'm doing as long as I'm taking that time to pause and think about the why and where I'm trying to go the path might be a bit windy but if you just keep going there is hope if that makes sense <laughs> no it makes a lot of sense it really is a lot of wisdom in that and I think our job probably is to understand what helps us to keep going because keeping on going, perseverance, I think, is a really key life skill of how to cope with the ups and downs of life. What we can do in that is to try and understand what does keep us going. So is that friends and family? Is that exercise? Is that nature? Is that reading a book where we can read about a character that we identify with and gives us hope? Is it going into our imaginations and crafting something? Or what are the things that help you keep going in those tough moments? Yeah, 
So the second question that I ask all of my guests is if you could go back to a point in your life and give yourself some wise advice, when would it be and what would that advice be? Oh, I think I'd probably go back to late teens and tell myself to value myself more. Yeah, I think we have a tendency sometimes to always maybe give too much of ourselves or to think that, you know, our own priorities or agendas are secondary to other people's. Mm. Um, And I would probably tell myself that actually your priorities and your agendas are just as important. And that's the key, isn't it? It's not saying that they're more important than other people's, but they're also, it's also saying that they're not less than important, as important Mm. than other people's. So I think recognising your own inherent value and self-worth is really important. That is just fantastic advice. I've asked a few people this and a lot of women would go back to maybe their teens or 20s and tell themselves a similar message because conditioning by society just tells us not to prioritise ourselves or the notion of self-care being selfish, which I know we're breaking away from now, but it's taken a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely has. You know, we're all raised with different conditioning and different matching, but I do think there's a, a universal um, sort of conditioning really for everybody to different degrees that says that, that isn't encouraging of good self-esteem and good Mm. self-worth and we don't really get much in the way of understanding how important self-esteem is and self-esteem is really you know just what we tell ourselves about ourselves or what we believe about ourselves Mm. that's why I'm a real advocate and hopefully manage to do some tv programming radio where actually I'm focusing on good self-esteem good mental health recognizing the importance of confidence and self-value and and kindness to yourself again that's another key life skill along with perseverance Definitely. And if we can teach that to children and make that part of their learning and curriculums, then I think as adults, they'll be a bit more set up than some <laughs> some of us might have been. <laughs> and also, you know, when, when we think, you know, when we don't have that self-esteem or self-worth, then you know, we're more likely to be unkind to other people. We're more likely to either make ourselves more than or less than the other person. And so actually more generally for society, if we all have better self-esteem and more grounding and safety in who we are and our self-worth, then actually everyone's going to benefit from that. That is fantastic. My last question feels a bit silly to ask when you share so much wisdom and advice with others that can really help people. But I do ask it to every guest, what is your best advice to give to other people? Oh, wow. That's not a silly question at all, because I find that a hard question to answer. (laughs) That is a really hard question to answer. I think I would say, try to take the time and space to understand who you are. That would be my advice, because I think when we grow up, we're given a lot of messaging about who we should be and who Mm. people expect us to be from different places, society in general, but also maybe friends, family, parents, all kinds of people around us. And we absorb that. And we think that we need to be something different from who we are. And then later on in life, life gets really busy and we start to go on automatic pilot and become a bit robotic. And so we often don't give ourselves a time or space to really understand who we are. So I think we need to catch up with ourselves and to really try to understand who we are now not who we were 10, 15 years ago or even yesterday. Who are we now? What do we need in this moment? How can we give ourselves what we need in that moment? And also, once we understand ourselves and our why and why we think we're here, what can we then do for other people to make the world a better place? 
That sounds a bit cheesy, but at the end of the day, I think purpose and understanding why we're here and what we can do really does help us mentally and emotionally. So understand yourself first, because then you can do all kinds of extraordinary things in the world to help other people. That doesn't sound cheesy at all. That just sounds (laughs) brilliant and... What a beautiful place to end this podcast. You've obviously got loads of exciting projects going on. Where can people find out what you're doing? So I'm on Twitter at Dr. Rada Modgill and Instagram at Dr. Underscore Rada. I just about remember days. But yeah, (laughs) I I, I do all kinds of different bits and bobs. And people say to me, how do you decide what you do? And to be honest with you, I go with something that makes me feel excited and passionate and enthusiastic about stuff. So yeah. Thank you so much. You've been a wonderful guest and I look forward to hopefully seeing you in person in the future. Oh, definitely. Thank you so much, Becky. It's been a real pleasure. I've absolutely loved it. And thank you for all the stuff that you put out there. Your newsletters I subscribe to are always uplifting, always full of positivity, but also of reality. So thank you so much for all your incredible stuff too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life O Life with me, Becky Barnes. Please check the show notes for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, please click subscribe and it would mean the world to me if you could rate, review and share it so other people can find it too. You can also subscribe to my good news newsletter, The Uplift, at theuplift.substack.com and find me on Twitter at Becky Barnes B.